This is Denise Crosby, and you're listening to PriorityOnePodcast.com. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by Sayulita.com. For more information, visit Sayulita.com and by listeners like you. Visit PriorityOnePodcast.com for more information on how you can continue to support our network. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Capitans, welcome, and you're listening to episode 128 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded Thursday on May 16th, 2013, live on trekradio.net, and available for download on PriorityOnePodcast.com the following Monday. I'm James. I'm Tony. And I'm Elijah. Tony, what do we got this week? Well, in this episode of Priority One, we trek out a U.S. District Court judge taking file-sharing jurisprudence where it has never gone before. In Stone News, the first expansion, Legacy of Romulus, will go live Tuesday, May 21st, and Priority One is here to make sure you're ready for the big event. Lastly, but certainly not least, we are joined this episode by the beautiful and talented Denise Crosby, known to many as Tasha Yar and Sela in Star Trek The Next Generation, most recently reprising those roles in Star Trek Online. This is not an interview you want to miss. Towards the end of the show, we'll open hailing frequencies and review your incoming messages. Captains, Priority One depends on the generous donations of listeners like you to help support all the content you find on our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com. Your donation directly helps us with server costs, web development, equipment, and travel expenses of covering live events throughout the United States. Help us bring you more and more of the great content that you have come to expect from this organization. Please visit PriorityOnePodcast.com to submit your gift. Speaking of amazing content, we want to remind you that PriorityOnePodcast.com offers more than just podcasts. We've got articles and blogs from some of the most respected members of the Star Trek Online and greater scientific communities, including our latest Dilithium Tracker article from Sam on Maui. So, be sure to visit www.priorityonepodcast.com and don't miss a beat. Captains, we have a very special announcement. Priority One is launching its own fleet in Star Trek Online. Oh, that's right. Now you can explore strange new worlds and combat threats to the Federation with many of the Priority One crew. With the release of Legacy of Romulus, we thought now was a great time to offer listeners, new and old, a guided experience for building a fleet. We want to build a community of players eager to learn, to participate, and to grow. We'll have articles on the site chronicling our growth so that others can learn from our experiences growing from the ground up. We'll even run live events on our Twitch.tv channel for you to participate in, and much, much more. So in the next week or so, we'll be offering a link on the Priority One website for more information on how you can join the fleet, as well as information to our open TeamSpeak server. Speaking of website... Have you visited Priority One Podcast today? That's right, Captains. Priority One has gotten a facelift. Thanks to the tireless efforts of our web developer, Lennon Rich, and art director, Alex Calderwood, we've been able to offer our visitors a much sleeker design that is user-friendly and much better organized. So be sure to visit PriorityOnePodcast.com and share our links with your friends. Well, with that, let's get ready to trek it out. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. People use metaphors for all different reasons. Usually you want someone to understand a difficult concept or to see relationships between seemingly isolated ideas. And sometimes you want as many nerds as possible to pay attention to something, so you toss a bunch of Star Trek references into a court order. A couple of weeks ago, a United States district judge in California issued an order going completely nuclear on some attorneys who had essentially lied to him in court. Basically, they were looking to make a quick buck by buying the copyright to an uh, 
<clears throat> an adult film, and then going out to BitTorrent sites, finding people downloading a file with that name, recording the IP address, and then threatening to sue them for copyright infringement. Now, a lawsuit is a serious thing, but a permanent public record accusing you of downloading films, well, that's downright reputation killing. So naturally, everyone agrees to settle, and a judge never sees it. Well, one guy decided to fight it. Now, threatening to sue and actually suing are two different things. You have to swear to the judge that you've done some reasonable research and you can probably prove that the person you're suing did the bad thing you say he did. And if you don't actually expend any effort whatsoever to find out if the person you're suing matches that IP address, well, I think Judge Otis Wright says it best, and I quote, Third, Though plaintiffs boldly probe the outskirts of law, the only enterprise they resemble is RICO. The federal agency, 11 decks up, is familiar with their prime directive and will gladly refit them for their next voyage. So uh, that's what you get when you make an Article Three judge mad. He's going to send you upstairs to the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the IRS, and he's going to take you down. But there was one line that was missing from the opinion, which we'll link in our show notes. The line must be drawn yeah, this far, and no farther. Don't lie to a judge. It's very important. If it gets to the point where you're in front of a judge, just tell the truth. It'll all be over much more quickly. And he won't go all Star Trek on you. Discover something you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about? Then send it over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, let's check out what happened in Stow News. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Captains, hopefully you had the opportunity of logging into Tribble for at least an hour during the weekend of May 10th for your chance to test the Legacy of Romulus expansion. Having played on Tribble for an hour will have earned you an exclusive reward, one that has not yet been announced, but like many other test weekend rewards, I'm sure it will not be disappointing. Now, the event did happen during Mother's Day weekend, did either of you have the opportunity of getting into Tribble? It cost me dinner at a Thai restaurant, but I got in for an hour on Tribble. <laughs> no, I did not either, actually. I was unable to get to it this weekend. But I've been hearing that not a lot of people were able to get in. Yeah, I haven't seen queues on Tribble, like, forever. And there were queues to get in. If you logged in, you just sat there and waited. And it didn't help that the numbers, they had a little bug or something where you were in the queue and it's like you were 500 out of 600 and then you were 300 right. out of 600 and then you were 27,976 out of 34,427. You're like, what? It just happened. So, but you eventually got in and yeah, it was crowded. It was, the instances were full and I had a good time. You know, I see why they want to do these triple test weekends because they want to try to break the servers. They want to try to push the yeah. load as much as possible. So I see why they would do this, and unfortunately, I was unable to participate, so I am out whatever Romulan triple test weekend reward. Maybe maybe not. Maybe not. We tested closed beta. They may give us a different reward or the same reward. You never know. I would think they're going to give us something for testing it for months for them that they would give to anybody else who played for at least one hour on a weekend. I would think we're going to get it, but you know, we'll see. One thing I keep hearing over and over again, and I'm sure you guys have heard the same, is that how everybody loves how much smoother and better running it is on Tribble oh. now than it is on Holodeck. I keep seeing posts that say, yeah, Tribble oh. runs better and smoother than Holodeck now. I keep seeing that. Is it, have you guys seen that? Like butter. Like smooth butter. Smooth huh? like butter. Well, I know that the overhaul on the UI is much less resource hogging, and then yep. we'll get to it in the patch notes later, but they did do a bunch of work on textures, if I read correctly. So we'll save that yep. for the patch notes review later. How about you, Captains? Maybe you didn't have access to closed beta, and this was your chance to play. If you got in during the Triple Test weekend, what did you think of the new content? Let us know in the comments section on PriorityOnePodcast.com or in our Star Trek Online forum post. As always, we appreciate every member of the community and all the efforts they make to make the game great, and as such, we want to highlight this week's STO Spotlight on the Foundry. The mission is called Silent Night by author NX-89. Mission summary says, A suspected traitor and a Riemann assault on Rurapente lead to an even greater mystery where you're never sure who's telling you the truth. It's a Klingon faction mission. It's got several great player reviews, and we encourage you to give it a shot. In Legacy of Romulus Deblog number 17, systems designer Jeff Adjudicator Hawk Hamilton tells us what we can expect from the introduction of the new Warp Core ship slot on Star Trek Online. Jeff writes, Warp Cores should affect your power levels. 
and they should help define what's unique about a given ship configuration, ultimately expanding on the customization of player ships and skill levels. With the introduction of this new game mechanic comes some changes. The biggest is warp speed travel in sector space. The rescaling, if you will, of warp speed is designed to help honor the canonical speed limit of warp 10, Jeff writes, while increasing the speed at which players are actually moving. This means captains moving at warp 10 will now reach their destinations more quickly than they could have before. Additionally, slipstream and transwarp seem to be getting a bit of an overhaul with a special warp cores. This will allow you to get around the galaxy much faster than you currently can in-game. So we got some changes that are going to really speed things up a bit for folks, which is, I think, going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. I've looked at a lot of the warp cores on Tribble. I couldn't find certain ones because I didn't have access to fleet ones or things like that. But I did look at some of the Mark 10 warp cores that they just offer in the Dilithium store. And I was really impressed with the different selections of what they lend power to and do stuff. I was really impressed, actually. It can help kind of balance out ships that struggle in certain areas, you know, like giving an escort more shields or more firepower or a blend of both or a science ship more firepower. You know, it, it's just really cool. I was, I was really impressed with the system, and I'm really looking forward to playing with warp cores and singularity cores, of course, to see what I can get out of all of them and, and find what works best for me in my type of gameplay. Well, if you've played any of the beta content for Legacy of Romulus, you know that Romulans have the Singularity Core as compared to the Federation Klingon Matter-Antimatter Cores. For the Feds and Klingons, Warp Cores are designed to focus on improving engineering stats like boosting battery efficiencies or enabling you to play with power levels in new ways. Singularity Cores focus on science-based stats that give an extra kick to Romulan Warbirds as well as special powers. At this time, you can get Warp Cores from destroyed enemy ships, Purchase them for energy credits at vendors, or get them through the Dilithium store, like James said. So, Romulans definitely seem to have gotten one up on these cores, don't you think? Because the Singularity cores can pack a pretty mean punch, especially Tier 5, whereas the Fed and Klingon cores seem to be more supportive or defensive than they are offensive. What do you guys think? There's so many factors that, I mean, this is not an easy answer, but I love that the Singularity cores have, like, the special ability to blast out or, or drain in or do the different things. I think that's really cool, and that is something special about Warbirds. However, depending on your ship build, your setup, and what cores you pick, you know, I already have a really mean, really juicy Defiant. I mean, that thing lays some mad firepower down, and still, it can really hold out. It's not a glass cannon. I've really made it survivable. Now, putting the warp cores that I looked at in there, there are some that add even more firepower and more shields to it, to what's already a very juicy ship. I don't feel that they're, you know, I mean, yeah, they have the extra ability, but I don't feel like I'm getting gypped or anything on the Fed side. I don't feel that at all. I think it's just giving me more options to either add two already existing abilities and or builds, or like I said before, um, maybe shore up some of the weaker areas of my ship if I didn't have enough defensive shield, hull, whatever I want to lend that at spare power to from the warp core. And really nice extra way to customize the ships. I wanted to agree with you. I think that the singularity thing makes a nice new mechanic. It's a new type of gameplay, and people with their fed escort all rigged out exactly the way they want to, they can make it even better than it was, and then they can devote time to learning the new system with the singularity cores and not have to mess with completely rebuilding their ship on the fed side. I think it's a good move for the game. But what about the matter-antimatter cores? Do you think that's a little underwhelming for the Federation and Klingon in comparison to the Romulans? They want people that have invested their time and energy into tweaking their perfect build on the Klingons and the Federation factions. They don't want anybody to, like, mess all that up. They're going to give you an enhancement. You know, like, they don't want you to have to completely rebuild your ship. But on the Romulan side, where pretty much everybody's starting out at the ground level, they're like, here, we're throwing this monkey wrench into the way that you know Star Trek Online works in space combat. Figure it out. And so new players coming to the game are on more or less the same footing as everybody else because everyone's trying to figure out the mechanic on that particular class of ships. Yeah. In Legacy of Romulus Dev Blog number 18, systems designer Andrew Archon Cryptic Row introduces us to new Romulan ship sets and their bonuses. As many of you are already aware, several refit and retrofit versions of Romulan ships will be hitting the sea store when Legacy of Romulus hits on Tuesday, May 21st. Plus one ships come some unique consoles that when combined, offer some pretty impressive set bonuses. The four new sets are the Enhanced Projectile Efficiency Set, which moderately increases your ship's damage with projectile weapons and moderately decreases your cooldown for firing projectile weapons. Hmm, nice. And then you have your Enhanced Defensive System Set. This increases your ship's defensive value based on how quickly you are moving and 
provides a minor bonus to your shield power. I think it's plus 5 if I remember correctly. The next set is the Enhanced Weapon System Efficiency Set. This is the one I think I'm interested in the most. Which provides a minor bonus to weapon power, moderately increases your resistance to abilities that drain your weapon power, and decreases the weapon power usage of your direct energy weapons. Nice! That's going to go well on my Valdor Heavy Warmer. Love it. Can't wait. <laughs> the last set, of course, is the Enhanced Maneuvering Thruster set, which provides a minor increase to your ship's churn rate and a moderate increase to your ship's engine power for those heavier Dideradex birds that might linger around like a galaxy. Actually, I think they're a little bit worse because they're bigger than a galaxy. So you're really going to want that extra little boost of maneuverability and engine power. So keep an eye out for that set for you guys who want those big cruisers. So, Elijah, which one of these sets are you most interested in? I am, like you, a fan of that DPS. Give me more weapon power. More weapon power. Yeah, you! So I will be getting You guys that, aren't uh, subtle. Ha- <laughs> <laughs> Not at there's all. No, there's no subtlety. There's no subtlety. With no, you I mean, I just... The thrusters? Nah, I, who's going to use thrusters? Larger ships that need it. Everybody's going to have different set favorites based on what they want to fly. See, my ship has pretty That's good turn rate and all that stuff, so... I want weapons. Somebody in a larger ship that turns like a freaking rock, you know, they're going to want a thruster set. Right. And, and, so that, on and that's so going to limit you. Those sets can only be equipped on the ships that came with it. For example, exactly. you got to have two consoles to make this set, so you got to buy the refit and the retrofit version of the yes. same ship in order to take advantage. Yes. So, for instance, in order to get the weapon set like you guys want, you got to have your console from the Valdor. That's the plus one, the tier three probably. And you yep. got to get the Mogai retrofit, the tier five version. Yep. And then you got to put them on, I think you probably have to equip it on the Tier 5. Everybody, be sure to visit Star Trek Online for more details on what consoles are required for the sets. Links will be in the show notes. So, everybody, which set impresses you the most? Are you going to be taking an offensive or defensive approach to your gameplay? Let us know in the comments sections on PriorityOnePodcast.com or in our Star Trek Online forum post. All right, in Legacy of Romulus Dev Blog number 19, content designer Sean Commander Ender McCann introduces us to the new Nimbus Adventure Zone on Nimbus 3. For those of you who don't recall, Nimbus 3 is the planet where the Enterprise finds Spock's half-brother Cybok in Star Trek V The Final Frontier. Now, an important stage for the Legacy of Romulus expansion, Nimbus has become a planet run by crime at the hands of Hassan the Undying, the Orion Syndicate's second-in-command. Those living in Paradise City are either fugitives or too poor to leave. But with reports of Thaleron triggers being sold by the Orion Syndicate, it's up to you to investigate. The blog goes on to answer several questions about the new Adventure Zone, including a brief history of the planet, what missions you can do, and some rewards you'll receive for completing some of the dailies. Now, Nimbus 3 is a level 21 to 25 Adventure Zone that players of all factions can access at any time after level 19. However, high-level players will have their level automatically adjusted to 26 when they beam down to Nimbus. So, Tony, you were on Tribble this weekend. You got a chance to play it? Yeah. I took my Fed character through the Nimbus arc, and it was good. It was a fun one. The story fits pretty well, and it's fun to go see where the cat lady jumped on Shatner in the movie. You can walk into that bar and hang out there for a while. So it's a good Trek moment. All right, Tony. Well, why don't you go ahead and talk to us a little bit about the patch notes. Well, Triple has been patched five times since we recorded our last show. Clearly too much for me to go through in any great detail. The cryptic devs are giving us all she has got, Captains. They're polishing the silver, sweeping under the fridge, dusting the chandelier, and ironing the curtains, getting ready for all the new and returning players next week. Every texture in the game has been refreshed to improve look and performance on lower-end machines. I can verify this personally. James, you were talking about this earlier. The game looks and plays so much nicer on Tribble than Holodeck on my laptop. The difference is amazing. They rebuilt Photonic Fleet Power for you science captains out there. Check out those changes in the May 15th update. The Foundry got some love and some abuse. On the one hand, they've added new NPC groups to the Foundry. The Alachi Silent Enemy Ground Mobs. There's some Alachi Space Mobs. Reman Rebellion Ground, Reman Rebellion Space, Romulan Republic Ground in Space, and they've got Elachi and EV Tholian NPC contacts, so you can use them to uh, advance your plot along and 
have them threaten you randomly or just look at you menacingly or whatever it is that passes for amused or joy on their facial expressions. But on the other hand, the devs are removing the import costume function from the Foundry editor. So anyone that wants to get their player characters copied into the editor, you have until patch time on Tuesday. There is no ETA for it ever to return. And given the glacial pace of development and repair on the STO version of the Foundry, I am not optimistic. The only effort visible to the Foundry author community right now comes from the near-heroic personal efforts of Xeronius Rex to tag items for use in the Foundry and Cryptic Frost dog paddling to keep up with all the user complaints. Show the mission authoring community some love, D-Stall. Please give us our button back. We ask for so little. Well, that's not true. We ask for quite a bit, but we ask for this one especially. Please let us have our button back. All right, well, that wraps up Star Trek Online News. Let's get to the highlight of this episode, our interview with Star Trek The Next Generation's Denise Crosby. Hello, Captains. This episode, we have a very special surprise for you. Joining us is the lovely and hugely talented Denise Crosby, known to many as Lieutenant Tasha Yar on Star Trek The Next Generation and several other television and film roles. Most recently, fans can catch Ms. Crosby reprising her role as Tasha Yar and Sela in the widely successful MMO Star Trek Online. Denise, thank you so much for joining us. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, so let's jump right in. TNG just celebrated its 25th anniversary last year, and fans and, of course, the actors uh, have celebrated the milestone all around the world, dozens of conventions and so forth. Was there ever a uh, like a touchstone moment this year throughout all the celebrations that really encapsulates your journey over these years? Wow. Um, look, you know, I think that any time we're all together and brought out on stage and sort of honored in that way is is tremendous. I mean, you you think about 25 years, it kind of, you know, just, wow, flew by. Wonderful to have had this place in in the Star Trek history and to be so deeply appreciated is always so moving. You know, we we were all very, very fortunate and we're all grateful that we were part of this. We had no idea when it was happening and we were all just very happy to be working actors, and as most are, and it just continues to grow, and new kids are coming in, and new people are discovering it, and now multiple generations kind of all watch the show together, and it's, it's pretty amazing and unique. I mean, there's nothing else like it. Yeah, it's. I think it's definitely something special, and every single one of you guys has been phenomenal in uh, in sharing that with the fans, and we thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure. It's... It's a, a very symbiotic relationship, us, the actors, and the fans. We couldn't do it without you guys, and again, part of the uniqueness of this show. I mean, it was the Star Trek fans that kept Star Trek alive, you know, in the original years when, uh, you know, it was being canceled year after year. In that interim time, the 25 years it took to make a new series, the fans are what kept Star Trek alive and, and part of the culture. And gave way for for us to be able to do a series you know i honor that and and really um that's why i love staying connected with the fans well actually speaking of the fans since the next generation you've been very active with the trek community and have produced two amazing documentaries about trekkies titled well trekkies what changes (laughs) if any have you noticed about the crowd over the years Well, I think the most significant thing is when I started out making Trekkies, the documentary, I was really beginning to see the culture changing in that sci-fi fans were kind of these, you know, secret geniuses that were gathering in, in hotel ballrooms. You know, the internet was just starting to come alive, but people were still pretty much in the closet, so to speak, about their, you know, fandom and their eagerness to take part in this. But I I was seeing the sea change, you know, it was all starting to happen. So I think where we are now is it's cool to be a nerd, you know, that's, that's the difference. You know, everybody's now able to 
step out and say, you know, Star Trek is cool, man. Star Trek gave us the flip phone. Star Trek gave us the, you know, touchpad. All the kids that were watching Star Trek are now, you know, our greatest designers. And, and as you see something like Comic-Con, you know, take over and, and become, you know, days of hundreds of thousands of people passing through and Hollywood courting Comic-Con now. I mean, when I first was going to Comic-Con, it was a bunch of comic book artists, you know, that barely looked up from their pens. And now it's everyone from uh, Christian Bale and Natalie Portman and every studio in town is, is showing up. So that's the big sea change of all of this that I've witnessed. It's definitely chic to be geek these days. Absolutely. You know, it's like my geeky, nerdy friends are the ones that I need to help me run my life. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's totally changed. I'm trying to, you know, encourage my son to be as geeky as he can be. Well, geek, remember, <laughs> geek is the good one. Nerd comes with a certain social awkwardness. Geek okay, is more right. just you're into all the techie no, no, stuff. No, 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 no. Nerd's better. Hmm. Well, we can. <laughs> that's a great debate we can have. Let's Nerd have or geek. <laughs> right, right. Well, we've gone big, and, and, and the big changes and the big, uh, the, the Hollywood studios coming in and, and the big stars coming to these Comic Cons. Let's go small. Is there a fan memory that you have that, that you just wouldn't trade for anything? Wow. I'm trying to think. There's really been a number of profound moments where somebody has come up to me and said, I was I was really struggling in my life at this time and I just needed some something to make sense and somehow the character that you played someone who had a lot of adversity and came from really rough origin and survived and not only survived but became really successful that just gave me you know it just spoke to me and encouraged me and I I got through it there have been a number of things like that you know really really uh, important ones. There's also been the young girls that have come up to me who are now adults who said, I watched you and you were in a profession on that ship that that wasn't traditionally a female and it gave me encouragement to say, hey, you know, I don't need to hear the word no. I'm going to do whatever I want and I'm going to be who I want to be. And um, you're just going, wow, this is... You know, this is this is heady stuff because you know you're you act in a box and and it's being shown to millions of people all over the world and you don't know what kind of impact this is having and you realize you really it's really affecting. It's this is more than just a, a television show. But I probably remember one moment that stands out. It was the moment in which I I had to keep a hold of my emotions stronger than anything I've ever had to do, really. And I get emotional even talking about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. How affecting this this moment was for me. Yeah. I was um, I was in Calgary, and um, you know there was a, a massive amount of people. There were I think something like sixty thousand people at this convention. It was the one in which the first time all of us on the next gen were brought together. And so I was um, sitting at my table signing autographs, and you know there was a quite a line. And I looked and I noticed a gentleman who really was struggling physically. It looked like he had MS, but he was completely independent and took his time. And it took him forever to get from the end of the line to my table. I just kept an eye on him in the corner of my eye because I was astounded at the diligence and the resilience and the effort that it took for him to walk up this line. And he got to my table, and he carefully, slowly got to the photograph that he wanted me to sign in a, in a packet of photographs he had. And he reached, which took a very long time for him to get out his, his money, his Canadian money, to pay my assistant for this signature. Now, You've got to understand, through all of this, I am trying with every ounce of strength I have to be present and not be just overwhelmed in emotion. I signed and I came around the table and I gave this gentleman a huge hug. And he was so proud and he was so independent and he got exactly what he wanted 
and I saw him slowly move to the next person and do the same thing all over again. And I had to excuse myself from the table. And I went into, I went into the, the ladies' room and I absolutely sobbed and thought that we, in our little daily lives, complain about so many little things and get so easily frustrated and get impatient. For what? He gave me such, um, you know, what's the word? He was so, I was so inspired by him that I think of him whenever I just even get remotely upset about something. That will stick with me forever. I think that, that, uh, that you have just captured what it is about what you do and what your fellow actors did. It's a, it's a feedback cycle. You, you guys show people what life could be like and everybody wants it to be that way. And people who have a tough time, they have to work harder for that to happen, but they do it. And, right. then, and, and, she, and, he, and he did that to show you how much uh, you inspired him. Uh, I know if I was in his shoes, I, I would be eternally grateful for what you did back for him. Uh, to show him how you insp- how he inspired you. Yeah, it is. And, uh, well, so these are, over the years, these are the kinds of stories that are, are affecting, and they affect your life. And I'm, I'm so grateful for them, you know. Here you are just, again, trying to do your job, and that, that in and of itself is, is, is plenty. And, and then you get all these, you know, gifts that come to you with just inspiring stories and it's just that human connection. I, I'm, I'm eternally grateful that I get to do these kind of conventions and get on the floor with the fans and have an interaction and, um, you know, of course, making the documentaries really turn the tables around so that the fans themselves could, you know, have their own voice. Thank you so much for sharing that, and we really appreciate it. And and that's, again, why we love you guys coming to the conventions, too, because it is our outlet to finally say thank you and show you our appreciation. But before we uh, get into anything else that's so serious, oh, my goodness, but what a great memory. <laughs> I know, right? That's okay. I mean, I could tell you, right. I could, we, could, we could end it with, you know, um, the funny one in which, you know, I've had many marriage proposals, and um, <laughs> I've, I've, met, I've met a few cats and dogs named, named Tasha. And um, <laughs> over the years, I did have one gentleman tattoo my image of Tasha Yar. is sort of the paramount shot that is the traditional classic paramount um, image of Tasha Yar, completely covering his entire back. Wow. You know, that was pretty cool. I, 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 that's dedication right there. That's, you know, the guys, this was, you know, 24. Five years ago, probably when the show first came on. So God knows what it looks like now. It might have, might, it might be a hairy Tasha Yar for all I know. Maybe you don't it. want to know what it looks I like know. now. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh my God. So let's shift gears a little and let's talk about your reprisal of Tasha Yar and Sila on Star Trek Online. Tell us how did this all come about. So this is great because um, I don't know about a year ago when I was at conventions some of the fans would be talking about Star Trek Online, and they would talk about Sila is on Star Trek Online, and she's an empress now of the Romulan Empire, and, and why don't you do the voice? And I said, well, damn, they better be asking me soon to do the voice. They can't have someone else do Sila. And, of course, Sila hadn't spoken yet at this point. So out of the blue, I got an email from... Uh, one of the gentlemen who works for the uh, CBS Viacom marketing department. And Star Trek Online was one of their licenses. He said, you know, by chance, is this anything at all that you would like to, to do? I mean, they're going to be doing this character on Star Trek Online. And I think I didn't even finish the email before I replied and said, oh, my God, you betcha. I was wondering when you guys were going to ask, and of course I would. This would be so cool. And by chance, I was headed to San Francisco that weekend for a convention, and two of the designers were up there at the convention. So while I'm answering questions with the fans, they spoke out and said, um, oh, Ms. Crosby, we're from Star Trek Online, and oh my god, you guys, I've been waiting for you, you guys, and of course the fans went crazy, and, and it all happened really quickly, and 
and then we just uh, we just went to work. So talk to us about that first day working with the team at Cryptic Studios. Uh, what were your first impressions of the game, the story, the team? Oh my God, I was so impressed. I mean, they have a great setup, and I just love, you know, Daniel sort of walked me through uh, Cryptic and, and introduced me to everybody, and you know, it just is a great atmosphere. It's really easy, really good vibe, and everybody's, you know, working. And um, and then, I mean, just the imagination and the creativity of the storylines. And they also, you know, opened it up for me to add anything. Um, was there anything that, you know, I'd like to see with Sila? And it was great because the one thing about the character of Sila, which... It's really my idea that Sila uh, existed, you know. That sort of came about from the episode of Yesterday's Enterprise, and which brought Tasha back. I sort of came up with the idea for Sila through that, that what you found out was that um, Tasha Yar was pregnant. Um, my original idea was with Lieutenant Castillo's baby, because that was her love interest on, on that episode. And, and the Romulans, when they were captured in that battle, when she went back in time, they realized she was pregnant, so they kept her. They put her in, in prison until the baby was born, and that they, they would use this human child, this baby, as sort of a, a bartering chip with the Federation. So that was my original idea. I pitched this to Rick Berman, the producer, at the time of The Next Generation, and he kind of went, mm, that's interesting. Let me think about it. And I just thought, oh, God, you know, that I'll never hear from them again. Yeah, they're probably thinking, who the hell does she think she is pitching us a story? And so a few months later, um, they, uh, they called me and said, you know, we're going to do that idea you came up with that Tasha has a daughter, except it's not with Lieutenant Castillo, it's with a Romulan general, so the child is half Romulan. And I thought, great, that's absolutely, and was very excited. So that's how Sila came about. However, I had a large story arc in mind for her, and it never panned out. They just kind of dropped the ball with Sila. It was a great introduction. It was a great tease. I thought that was wonderful, kind of sneaking her in, you know, just in shadow at the end of the first introduction. And then the next season begins, and you begin to get to know her. And then we never, it just kind of dropped the ball. So when we get to, when I get to Cryptic, and these guys have all these great detailed ideas and what has happened with Romulus and where we're going with this. I went, oh, my God, this is, this is so far beyond what I thought of. And it's like a chance for me to kind of complete what I didn't get to on, on the next gen. It's just it's, it's like a, another aspect of the story. Did you at all find it difficult, you know, to kind of step back into the roles of, of Tasha and Sila? Absolutely. That's a really, really good question. Yes, you, you haven't done this in a while. You know, even though it's so much a part of your, your life and your legacy and around you and you've been going to conventions and it's still happening in present time, you really haven't been playing these parts in a while. And then the first day I was at Cryptic, I was doing both at the same time. So I had to really shift gears because I never did that on the TV show. I never played in one episode Tasha and Sila at the same time, but at Cryptic, my first day I did. Tasha has a, a very different energy than Sila. Tasha is that boiling kettle always about to, you know, overflow. You always get the sense that the captain's always saying, you know, oh, I got it. Okay. Okay. Okay, Tasha. We got it. We're not, we, let's not, you know, blow them apart yet, you know, but she's always ready to get some action. And she's, she's feisty and she's a fighter. You know, she's, that's her nature. That's her go-to position. With Sila, it's just Machiavellian. I mean, she's just power hungry and she's going to rule the world. She's Richard III without the hump. And that's what's going on with her. So I had to shift. I had to find that. And it's a little bit of a different placement in the voice. But it came together. They have terrific directors there. And the writers were in the room with me. And they just reminded me of what each one of these things was about. Each, each sentence I was saying, what had happened then, what we're reaching to now. You know, it was just terrific. They made it so, so comfortable and so easy and creative. They allowed me to really try some stuff. And it was, it was really fun. Now, let me ask you, when reading the script, was there ever a moment that you read and you thought, maybe Tasha would say it this way. 
Yeah, I mean, it was, there were a couple times we uh, we talked about it and in the room, and I don't know if, maybe, I don't think she would do it that way, or there was some difference of opinion with the, with the director and, let's say, Christine, oh, no, 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 no she's not going to do that. She wouldn't, she wouldn't be that easy on these guys. And so, you know, and then we all kind of laughed and said, yeah, 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 you're right. So, yeah, but it's a very creative, easy process. There was one line I had, it was a Tasha line, which I only really, this last time, had a little bit of Tasha left to do. But it was some sort of techno babble, as we call it, not the photon torpedoes or red readies or what, you know, something. But it was, I, could, I couldn't get these two words together out of my mouth. It was hysterical. Every time, you know, the action would come, the warbler drive on the warp 10, and I would just, the, 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 and, you know, it was just. <laughs> That's tough, that track no babble. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was always fun to, to watch um, the guest stars come in for an episode. And, um, you know, all fine actors, always really good actors. But, boy, they'd get into that stuff, and they'd suddenly go fall into some weird Elizabethan accent. It would just somehow, I don't know if it was just hanging around Patrick or they just suddenly get this formal, very enunciated, you know, kind of speak and we would go to the far reaches of the universe and begin to annihilate. You know, I mean, it would just be this strange thing and they would just look at, I remember I remember Christopher McDonald, who played Lieutenant Castillo, after one big speech, turned to me and just say, how in the hell have you done this? What am I saying? What am I saying? <laughs> These words aren't English. They're written in Latin alphabet, but they're not English. I, it's hysterical. It's just real. It was always really fun. What are we going to be surprised to learn about Sela this time around? Or is, is she the same old sly villain we know and love? Or did you take her some other direction? Well... I think we're going to see some very brilliant maneuvers on her part. She is always one step ahead of everyone, even when she has some interesting alliances forming in this. But it nothing is as it appears. I think she really goes through quite a learning curve in this new period of time. And um, she does have a beating heart. It's half Romulan, but it's beating. The the thing about Star Trek is that the best Star Trek always has the best villains. Khan is the gold standard. Are you saying she can hold up against Khan? I would place that bet, yeah. And I'm not a betting girl, but I'd make that bet. All right, good to hear, good to hear. Mm -hmm. Well, there's been a lot of rumors floating around since, of course, the news came out that you were now working with Stowe. We kind of want to just squash some of these, you know, ugly rumors right here, you know, just just do a little true or false type of thing here. And, okay. you know, is, is Sela eaten by a puddle of black pudding at the end of the story? <laughs> false. That will never happen again. <laughs> That's, yeah. Good answer. Once is enough. Uh, another one was that she was killed by the bridge falling on her. We don't want you going out like Kirk either. I don't know. No. Sheila is not killed. All right. And uh, uh, let's see. What was one of the other ones here? Uh, That she was shot by a paw wraith possessed Cardassian. A Cardassian or Cardassian? You know, that could go either way nowadays. (laughs) Either or, yeah. Cardassian I can see. That that is, I'm going to leave that open. (laughs) Don't give away. We don't want to know the ending. If, you know, no, Kardashian no, comes I'm not from giving the away corner, anything. We'll be scared. Yeah. You think Sheila's wicked. <laughs> so you guys have kept open the possibility of, of her coming back for more episodes and stories, right? right? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's fantastic. That's what oh, we want. That's what the fans want as much as we can get. Yes, absolutely. It's so good, this stuff. It's really... I was so impressed by by everything that I saw and just the, the intelligence of these guys up there and what they're doing. And um, it's, it's very exciting. I'm really excited. Can't wait to hear the reaction from everyone. Well, what, and that's what's great about Cryptic. They've been so open with the fans and the players because they, they are fans themselves, which is great. This is our, our way to continue the story right now because, of course, we have no TV series at this time. That's right. So. That's right. And that's that's why we love, uh, you know, anytime any one of you guys comes and, and lends a voice or anything to the story because it's just that much more authentic and brings a, uh, you guys back into that. It's, it's awesome. Absolutely. And we love to do it. I'm, I'm hoping that 
I'll be the first of many that begin to come begging at the door to, uh, we hope that to too. be part of it. Mm-hmm. They should. They really should. And your role as a trailblazer here, you've got <laughs> kind of a you've got kind of a unique perspective anyway as a cast member who you know you were there at the beginning, but. Now you've had the opportunity to look from the outside back in. And Tasha was kind of an outsider. You know, she has a really rough upbringing, but she succeeds in Starfleet. And and Seal, of course, she's a half Romulan in a society that's not exactly known for welcoming other people in. You know, Mm -hmm. characters with an outsider's perspective. So does that, uh, is there a little bit of Denise and Seela and Tasha? Is there a little bit of Tasha and Seela and Denise? Yes, the the lines begin to blur, and you do start to find these parallels in your own life, and I could certainly uh, draw those in, in mine. I've always been a bit of an outsider within my own uh, uh, family. Um, you know, my mother raised me on her own without a father and part of this, you know, legendary Crosby family, but uh, was never acknowledged by them, never embraced by them. Absolutely. I, I have a lot to draw on with these characters. You know, I always thought of Hollywood is a failed Earth colony, and you know that's where Tasha was from. <laughs> so you know, it's a rough yeah. and tumble place, and every man for himself, or every woman for herself. Absolutely, mm-hmm. exactly. It, it's fight or flight. You saw Blade Runner. I mean, <laughs> what it's like. <laughs> okay, I'm across Los Angeles off my vacation hotspots. Yes, All right, uh, good, good tip. Thank you. <laughs> so you know, it's it's um. There's a there's there's a lot to to uh, you know pull from. We like to know also you know kind of what you're doing today and and what kind of uh, projects are you currently involved in on the horizon. What am I going to watch tomorrow where oh, I'm going to see Denise Crosby? Well, I have been shooting a new series uh, for Showtime that premieres June 30th, and it is called Ray Donovan. They're beginning to play the promos on Showtime. It is. Starring Liev Schreiber and John Voigt and Elliot Gould and Stephen Bauer, Paula Malcolmson, really incredible cast. I am playing Elliot Gould's mistress, actually, the character of Deb, about a private investigator who's a fixer in L.A. and his Boston Irish family that have all kind of moved out to L.A. to start a new life. They're all a bunch of criminals. And, yeah, I'm really excited about that. So that comes on. And um, what else is going on? This, uh, I did a movie just recently, actually in Bulgaria, for the Sci-Fi Channel that comes on called Roswell. That should start, thinking that over the summer, probably be airing soon. That's it right now. Yeah, making a few appearances. I'm headed to Boston the first week in June to a uh, big... Star Trek convention there, which I think is going to be fantastic to be in Boston at this time after all that we've seen them go through and and be part of that city. However, the most incredible thing is I've been asked to be the Grand Marshal this year of the Gay Pride Parade in Boston. So that weekend, little old me will be out there uh, marshalling the parade. <laughs> Outstanding. That's very cool. You're, you're supposed to remember, I think it's elbow, elbow, wrist, wrist. I think that's what they tell you. Okay. <laughs> my, my cousin was at Oklahoma University. She was the, uh, the roughneck queen. And she told us, elbow, elbow, wrist, wrist, fake a smile, blow a kiss. Oh, yeah. my God. That's hysterical. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's such great advice. I'm so glad I brought it up. <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. Well, that wraps it up for this interview. Again, Denise, I'd like to thank you so very much for joining us this episode of Priority One Podcast. I know I speak for many Trek fans, including uh, some of our listeners, Rob Ippolito and Matt Miracle, when I say that we are truly grateful that you have helped continue the Star Trek legacy in Star Trek Online. Thank you so much, you guys, for everything you're doing. Let's talk again. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. I did want to take a quick moment to say thank you to all the listeners and the community who sent me all their kind thoughts and prayers this last weekend. I was out, my uh, grandfather passed away, and it was very difficult on the family, so I appreciate everybody who sent their thoughts and prayers. Thank you very much, you guys. That was very kind of you. All right, coming to us via the Star Trek Online Forum, TRH Ranger XML writes... Reman sounds like fun, but no Shadow Clone attack like the NPC Remans have. And one ship I'm looking forward to is the Dideradex. Good show, guys. FYI, in every Star Trek The Next Generation episode and up, never has a long corridor been straight. They're all curved to save on set costs. 
No need to build large sets for corridors, rendering issues fixed. Straight corridors and stow bother me to no end. Word. Had some I have long, to agree but... with that one. Well, no, but they had some long hallways, so you had to have the long shots of people walking down the they hallways together. I mean, a lot of them were few. Very few. They had the only one in the next generation that was straight was the one leading to the turbo lift. Right, exactly, which was meant to be like See? the cross sections between the curved sections. Right. So so they had some straight corridors, just not very many. Yeah. Well, it's a camera trick, too, because with the curvature, you can make it look as if though people are just coming around the corner when it's the exact same set. But the point of it is, is that the Belfast bridge set in the game, best bridge set in the game. Period. End of story. Oh, show. What else have we got, James? So one comes in from Red Shirt the first. He says, you guys commented about the potential influx of new players. I can only hope for set increase, but is Cryptic ready to welcome these players? A queue is fine and dandy, but should only be a temporary way of gating a shard. Yeah, queues can be a little annoying to wait to get in the game. We'll have to see how that plays out once everything's up and running. I think that after Blizzard's quarterly earnings call, oh. that like 2 million people stop playing World of Warcraft, they're all going <laughs> yeah. to free-to-play games, Yeah, and everybody's going to Star Trek Online and Champions and Neverwinter, they're gearing up. These people are not stopping MMO gaming. These people right. are leaving because they don't want to pay, and so they're playing other games that have better graphics, updated graphics. An economy designed to be free. free. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. World of Warcraft won't be able to compete. They'll have a long, slow glide slope down. There's lots of people who are heavily They'll invested in it. They'll eventually go free to play uh, model. Yeah, but just remember the headache that it was for Star Trek, and it had only been in business for a year or so. I mean, I can't even imagine World of Warcraft trying to convert over to free to play. It's just what it takes to ugh. stay alive. You know. That's the yeah exactly. The choice is do that or perish. Exactly. And we heard from Azurian Star. Oh, man, thanks for sharing about that Nimoy and Quinto commercial. That was hilarious. Smiley face. And you can't call credit on the atmospheric flight. I'll have to take that credit with my suggestion on the Dyson's Sphere thread. Winky face. Well, uh, uh, yeah. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. Everyone's uh -uh. <laughs> Sorry, Azurian. <laughs> you, know, you know I love you. You're a listener of the show, diehard listener. But nah, man, nah, I'm taking it. I'm taking that one. That one's my baby. <laughs> That one's my baby. Uh, Azurian, I think you should let them have credit because they really don't have a life. And you probably have a life <laughs> like me. So just let them have it. You know, it's the little things that keep them happy. So let's just, let's just roll with that one. Our, uh, our next one comes in from Boy Fang's Tumor Taco. Gee, who could that possibly be? Known you troll. You guys might know him as known Tumor troll. Boy. Yeah, he is a known troll, isn't he? Yeah, you troublemaker. He says, you guys do realize that we are capable of coming up with ideas ourselves too, right? Right? No. No, we, we don't realize that. That's not, why we not buying it. No. Not it, buying it comes it. from us. It comes from us. That's you know, right. James had his Vesta. Yes. Tony has his segment, and I have my atmospheric shuttle events. Darn it. Don't take it away from That's me. Right. Don't take it away. That's right. If we wanted you to have ideas, we'll give them to you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sean Newboy writes, the traits are okay. I agree with TRH Ranger XML on the Shadow Clones attack, but I want my Valdor. Valdor. I really don't tend to get into those kinds of shows. Excellent show, everyone. Good to hear from Dr. Hurt again, but I do miss my stellar blogs on Priority One. All right. Let's uh, move on to the PriorityOnePodcast.com. We hear from Sargon. Klingon beer! I can't wait. Speaking of the beer, all right, so I went to my local discount liquor. Like, it's a big chain, and they get a lot of craft beers, and they import a lot of beers. And I walked in, and I was like, I need this beer. Please get it. But I just got a phone call today, actually, before the show, and the guy was like, sorry, but it's only in Canada. We can't get it. And yep. so I teared a little bit. Yeah, heavy sigh. <laughs> Drink responsibly. Senok <laughs> <laughs> Skyrat says, Fleet Tavaro Light Warbird Refit? Tier 1 and it comes with a Romulan Enhanced Battle Cloaking Device? What's not to love? Four tactical consoles? It's no defiant, but it's pretty close. Somebody wants himself a Light Warbird Refit. Yeah, that's the one I'm going to fly it in game. Michael Sawyer writes in, number one, for me, there's a difference between being a diehard Trek fan and, quote, getting Trek as an understanding of what Star Trek is all about. Number two, every time I read set phasers to stunning, 
I want to rip off a helmet and shake my long, blonde locks of hair down to my shoulders, all sultry-like. And he goes on to write, Mogai, the Valdor Warbird, has been my favorite Romulan ship since Nemesis. There are at least two other people on the show that agree with you completely, Michael Sawyer. And I mean that about your long, flowing, blonde locks of hair. They'd like you to do that, too. I don't know about the ship. Sexy, long, flowing. Elkinar writes, I'm going for the Dideradex myself. Not only is it a TNG classic, but it also has a sweet tactical cruiser layout, which, combined with the singularity powers, should make for very interesting gameplay. As for geekiness, I don't watch current television and I don't follow popular geek podcasts like Geek and Sundry. I'm going to keep pursuing my favorite hobbies regardless of what anyone thinks of them, because I love them. And that's all that matters. MJ Bird writes in, I love the Romulan ships. I will be an engineer flying a Deridthal Warbird battlecruiser. I will not be a Romulan, but a Reman. I think Remans are a great race. I think shows like Big Bang Theory makes nerds look cool. Having Star Trek stars like Will Wheaton being Sheldon's enemy is funny. Yes. Agreed. Will Wheaton. Will Although he's Will not Wheaton. the evil Will Wheaton anymore. <laughs> They're buddies now. Yeah, now it's the uh, it's Brent Spiner. Yu-Chan wrote in and said, As much as I give it flack for slow turn rate, being a DS9 fan, I am probably going to go for the ship that represented the Star Empire during the Dominion War if I were to play a Romulan, the Dideradex. Yeah, it's popular, and it is pretty, and I really love the new version that they have of it, Dirathru, I think. Is that is that the, the different version of it, the more modern version? Yeah, They're I both think really it's what nice. uh, yeah, MJ Bird said that's what he wants to fly. So Yeah, yeah they're just so big and slow. They're going to be just battleships out there. They're just going to be slow. So that that's not going to be for me. I'm more of an escort type guy, but they are really sexy shit. I don't blame you. We've got some new followers on Twitter. At Nick God is a DJ. At Dark Orion 69. At Frozen Polly. At Sci-Fi Expo. And at Ames Kurtwise. Thanks for following, guys. Matt Miracle threw in one last note. Said he can't wait till the Fed tutorial was redone and brought up to spec like the KDF and Romulan ones. Awesome. I agree. I'd like to see the Fed one redone and, and made a, as clean and nice and kind of modern as the newest ones. Well, we want to thank everybody for their feedback. You know that we love to hear from you, so be sure to email us at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com or use our online contact form on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 128, broadcast live on trekradio.net. Remember that we are on the air every Thursday night at 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific. Having a live audience is fantastic, and we appreciate you joining us every week, so keep on doing it. Don't forget, Captains, the Priority One Network is always looking for new team members that have a passion for Star Trek. If you have a particular skill that you believe could enhance our content, then reach out to us via email at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. As you know, we love hearing from you, our listeners. If you have a suggestion, idea, or topic for our Trek It Out or Field Notes segment, or you have feedback for the show, you can reach us via our online form on the Priority One website or via email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. We're also available on Facebook or Twitter. You can get up-to-the-minute news from Priority One Podcast by visiting our social media websites. Head on over to facebook.com slash Podcast and give us a like. Or you can check us out on Twitter via at StillPriorityOne for showtimes and other cool stuff. Priority One is brought to us by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please visit PriorityOnePodcast.com to find out how you can help support the show. A very special thanks to this week's guest, Denise Crosby. It was truly an honor to spend time with her. Thanks to the entire team over at PriorityOnePodcast.com, our art director, Alex Calderwood, our audio engineer and web developer, Lennon Rich, Justin Lowmaster, our audio assistant, and the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com, our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio, and of course, the Star Trek Online community. Without you, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage.
Transfer complete. Do we need to record a disclaimer? Feedback is the opinions <laughs> of the people writing the show. We are just reading these things, so we don't have anything to say. <laughs> That's about. right. We are a bunch of mindless idiots that just read what's put in front of us. <laughs> it's <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, Tony, why don't you talk to us a little bit about... Bleh. That's usually my job to tell people oh, good radio and I shirt. It's so hot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> another one another one for the blooper reel. All right. All right. Elkinar Rikes. Rikes? Rikes. He rikes Riker. it. He rikes okay. it very much. He rikes it very much. Be oh, very quiet. Be very quiet. He's hunting wabbit and listeners. <laughs> the biggest is warp speed travel in sector space. The rescaling, if you will, of warp speed is designed to help honor the Conical speed, uh, speed limit. Canonical. Warp 10. Oh, thank you. Canonical? Canonical? Don't confuse him. Don't confuse him. Canonical. No, it's canonical. Isn't it canonical? Canonical. There's another N in there. You're adding an extra N in there. No, no. Canonical. Canonical. No, you're adding an extra N You're adding an extra N in there. So just canonical. That's what I said. That is what I said. I said, said conical, canonical. Which means of cone Oh, did I say conical? conical? You're right. Okay, my bad. Can't, okay, <laughs> which means my bad. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right. <laughs> the biggest did is warp speed psych? travel. In... <laughs> yes, I... This is not green. You're with your name on it. Mo consoles, mo consoles, mo consoles. Mo consoles, mo consoles. <laughs> the biggest is warp speed travel in sector space. The rescaling, if you will, of warp speed is designed to help honor. <laughs> Jesus, now I lost it again. <laughs> Content designer Sean Commander Ender McCann introduces us to the new Symbus Adventure Zone. On Whoa. Nimbus Simbus. Whoa, Simbus. Whoa, Simbus. <laughs> e either. Easy, Simba. <laughs> Circle of life. Simba. Simbus. <laughs> Say it again. Canonical. Canonical, yeah. Canonical, okay. Now, Nimbus 3 is a level 21 to 25 adventure zone that players of all flat... Flactions? Flatulence? Flatulence? That's coming uh, free me... with the expansion? Sweet. Flatulence is coming free. Flat you don't have to pay for That's the new sea store item. <laughs> They, they do, call I, it do I need gas. a do I need a key for that? Do I have to buy a key <laughs> to release the flash? No, but you're gonna want to put it in a lockbox. That's for sure. <laughs> if you but they beep it out because but he doesn't say the f word. He says frack. If you kind of lick uh, lick, <laughs> please lick. Let her anymore. It's it is awesome to have you. And and I I promised myself I'd tell you this story if I ever had the chance. Um, okay. I'm a I'm a former Gulf War vet, and uh, I was in uh, the Coast Guard, and we were on ships, and we were enforcing sanctions and all. That's not important, but anyway, uh, it was widely voted amongst my watch crew on the bridge of my ship at night uh, that you were by far the hottest girl on the Enterprise D crew throughout <laughs> that whole series. Oh, you guys, right on! You have such good taste. What can I tell you? No, that is so so. Um, and to think that, you know, you guys are, are defending our great nation and, you know, little old me is uh, in the forefront of your minds. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very honored. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you get a lot of those random uh, kind of watch conversations, especially on the late night watches and stuff. And it was, it was a really funny conversation that that had come up that night. And, and funny enough. Uh, the girl voted uh, hottest on Star Trek that was not part of the crew was actually the actress that played uh, Tasha's sister in another episode. Uh, really? So, oh, I hope I, I hope I'm able to tell her that. Yeah, the Yars apparently got the good gene pool. So <laughs> <laughs> those Yars. Well, you know, you know what the word Yar means, don't you? No, no, I do not. Oh, okay. Well, you know that Gene Roddenberry was um, uh, in the Navy. Okay. So um, often he has um, naval terms sort of scattered throughout, um, and and the 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 Federation and and certain elements of it are are kind of based on a kind of navy um, protocol. Yes. And um, so one day I was watching um, 
this uh, film, this incredible film starring Katherine Hepburn and Cary Grant called The Philadelphia Story, one of the great classic um, George Cukor films. And um, Cary Grant plays just this, you know, wonderful cad that used to be married to Katherine Hepburn, and she's a society girl. And um, she is, you know, in a, it just sort of a struggling um, in her new relationship, and she goes back to her ex-husband on, you know, one drunken evening, and they, you know, trying to get some perspective. And um, he has um, this boat, this beautiful sailboat that he that uh, he takes out um, all the time and cares for, you know, just religiously. And um, he 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 calls um, the ship. He refers to his sailboat as, you know, Mighty Yar. She's Mighty Yar. And that's the first... I went, what? She's Mighty Yar. So I looked it up, and um, the word is used to describe a beautiful, fine ship. Interesting. I've never heard that before, honestly. And I've heard a lot of old uh, naval history in terms, and that's that's one that never crossed my path. That's really it's, neat to learn. It's kind of cool. There's a little bit of trivia for you. Well, thank you. 